I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. The last four months have impacted the marketing communications world like nothing else in living memory. While the severity differs from sector to sector and from business to business, revenues have fallen drastically, business models are having to be torn up and jobs are starting to disappear. The chairman of the PRCA, Francis Ingham, recently said to me that he's expecting up to 30% of those working in public relations to be made redundant before the COVID-19 pandemic and the resultant economic recession are over. And the longer it takes to produce a vaccine for the coronavirus, the more severe we can expect the impact to be. On a recent episode of the Science Versus podcast, experts said that if that was available for distribution by spring 2021, that would be a remarkable achievement but that there are many, many factors getting in the way of that, from efficacy to safety to manufacture to actual distribution. The impact of all this on us as individuals is difficult to gauge at this point in time. Now, speaking personally, lockdown has continued to play havoc with my sleep patterns, and insomnia is now a fairly regular occurrence. But beyond the physical and mental health impacts, there's something else we need to pay attention to, and that's our frame of mind. Staying positive can be very difficult when there's so much uncertainty around and when things change from week to week. In the current environment, resilience and adaptability are traits that are extremely valuable and that it's worth spending time nurturing. And that's true whether you're an agency owner trying to evolve your business for the future, an in-house professional adapting to new ways of working, a freelancer who suddenly finds work harder to come by, or one of those unfortunate people who finds themselves seeking a new job. In today's show, I'm talking to Isabella Venner, a mindset marketing and NLP coach who helps marketers to develop a positive and adaptable mindset. Prior to training as a coach, she worked in the PR industry, and I first met Isabella a few years ago while doing some consultancy for the agency she was working in. At the time, I was struck by how intelligent she was and impressed by how she took an interest in the way I did my work and how I conducted my business. Isabella tells me that she's a bit of a goody two-shoes and a bit of a people pleaser. Unlike some people who knew what they were going to do when they were at university, whether that be a doctor or a lawyer or an entrepreneur, she was never really sure. Stumbled across PR, I read about it, had no idea what it meant, did a few internships and thought, okay, this seems diverse, interesting, um, and it's exciting to have lots of different clients and so on. She did some internships and ended up working in PR for about nine years, working on global brands to high street brands to individuals to startups. The last four years have been in health and well-being, something that she says she's really enjoyed with lots of small, growing, adventurous businesses. But then one day, having reached senior level in her agency, she had a rethink. And I looked up and I, at what was ahead of me and there were, I thought, do you know what, there are going to be loads of exciting campaigns, bigger budgets, smaller budgets, different clients, different teams. But I felt a little bit like, for me, it felt like more of the same. Um, and I, I suddenly stopped and said, okay, well, what do I want? What do I enjoy? I've, I've now had a good, real good go at my career. What do I want the next five, 10 years to look like? So I just started discovering again. I started asking questions. Isabella was always fascinated by human interaction and looked into psychology. But she couldn't really afford a psychology degree and didn't feel like she had the stamina to do one. 
But then she stumbled across coaching and took a course to find out more about it. And very quickly, within four months, a lot of things happened to me. I managed to identify what was missing in my life, what I wanted, um, and could quite clearly see a roadmap. And I just saw how simple it was and how powerful it was. Around this time, lots of different conversations with diverse people started to come together. It started to make sense how she could combine her two passions, marketing and coaching, and also gain the freedom to support her husband's career in the NHS. She tells a story of a chance meeting with a potential entrepreneur to illustrate that fate seemed to be pulling her in this direction. Once after a night out, I went to McDonald's to nurse the hangover and um, I was sitting there with my husband, had a chat with two other um, men who had just come off their shift in a local restaurant. This is before coaching and I started saying to him, you know, what do you love? What do you enjoy? What's your life about? What, what, what do you do? And he started telling me about his passion to open up his own restaurant, but in the same breath saying it would probably never happen. And that really frustrated me. It ignited fire inside me. And it was, I know, maybe it was that and a combination of the delicious salty chips I was eating. But I, I just started brainstorming with him and started thinking, OK, um, I watched a talk last week and they were talking about how any good idea should be distilled down into its most basic form. What could you do tomorrow to make it happen? And without realising, I started looking back now, I was doing a bit of coaching with him, as well as a bit of marketing thrown in with brainstorming ideas. And I left that very random conversation with a man whose name I will never know, um, saying, do you know what, I'm going to start working on my on my dream, on my business tomorrow. Um, and there have been just moments like that where I think, you know, if everyone lived out their ideal career or their dream or their passions, the world would basically be a bit happier place. As cheesy as it sounds, I, I really believe that. Businesses shouldn't just grow for the people who've got money for a marketing uh, company or have the right cheerleaders around them, cheering them on and believing them. What about the people who've got a fantastic idea but don't have the confidence to get it started? So I'm on that journey trying to combine all my passions, following the, the threads of interest that come up in my life um, and trying to tie it all together. Okay. So you made reference to there in the fact that you kind of looked around, you had this moment where you kind of reevaluated your career, your life, perhaps. What yeah. was it that caused that reevaluation in the first place? I think it was honestly, for the probably for the first time, stopping and asking myself, what do I want? What makes me happy? Yeah. It's funny that we're in charge of our own lives. We know ourselves better than anyone knows us. But if you ask someone next to you, I did this to my to my team a year or so ago, and I said, guys, what, what makes you really, really happy in your life? Or if you could have anything, what would you love? And that's actually quite a hard question to answer. Yeah. Um, and I think very often we, we just go through life and we don't ask that question. We just allow people to make decisions for us. We allow circumstance to dictate what's next. Um, and I just, it suddenly clicked that I had more control than I ever realized before. Um, I think I've, I've been quite, I've had quite a sheltered upbringing. I've, I've, we've never had masses, but we also I didn't lack for anything. Um, and I think I, I bumbled along a little bit and I just suddenly realized I, I, I think I, I think I want something different. I want more in my life. I, and that's when I then started looking into values and why was it that certain things lit me up and other things left me feeling a bit bored or a bit, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's just stopping, pausing and asking the question, looking around at my life. Yeah, okay. So you, you also mentioned there that your, your husband works in the NHS. How yeah. has the current situation over the last three months affected you, you know, it, it, with regard to moving your coaching along and, I don't know, worrying about your husband, I assume, yeah. and, and everything else that's gone along with that? 
Um, and there, there have been worrying moments. We've had some friends who caught coronavirus and others who amazingly haven't or don't seem to be symptomatic. But yeah, overall, they've all, all pulled together, which is which has been lovely. But with, with the coaching business, um, someone actually told me how they were quite positive on a mastermind call recently. And they were criticized by someone else in the call saying, how can you be so positive when there's so much sadness and difficulty and struggle going on in the world? And I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that people are going through, you know, different, different struggles. But I really believe that before lockdown, before coronavirus, there were obstacles, there were challenges, and there were opportunities. And I think now there are still obstacle challenges and opportunities. And after all of this, there will still be that. So I think um, everyone's situation is completely unique. But within those situations, we, we always, always have an option to um, to take action, and we always have, there's always an opportunity for for businesses and individuals. Um, it might take some more more work than others, or um, you know, tweak, either tweaking their business or pivoting has been a word that people have been using a lot, or completely changing their business. But I do really believe that there is always an opportunity. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Actually, I think um, if I look at my own journey going back five and a half years now, it would have been six years ago I made a decision to go freelance. But that was a similar sort of time of of just like you say, looking up and thinking, this isn't what I want. I yeah. want to do something else, you know, and, and moving on with that. Now, you're an advocate of neuro-linguistic programming, which is NLP to <laughs> to anyone else. Um, yeah. Now, as I understand it, this is all about changing our perceptions of ourself and the way yeah. we communicate from that perspective. And, and what it sort of boils down to is the fact that a belief that each of us has kind of the resources that we need to make positive changes in our life, whatever they may be. Is that a, a, a ballpark summary of, of NLP? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, coaching and NLP are about understanding ourselves and understanding the people around us and the environment we're in and trying to make sense of it and make the most of it, absolutely. Neurolinguistic programming is goes a little bit deeper to the way we're subconsciously wired. Okay. So we are all in the same world. We all exist on Earth, but our experiences are completely unique. So you might have... You know, three people might go into um, or a team of marketers might go into a, a business meeting with a, a client and the client says to them, I would like the next job to be uh, brave, uh, new and on budget. Someone is going to leave that, leave that room hearing the word brave. And so is someone else. But one version of brave means something completely different to the other person. Uh-huh. Another one's going to pick up on the word new. Another one's going to say, actually, this, this client just wants to uh, focus on the budget. So they were all there in the room at the same time, but they take something completely, something different uh, away from that meeting. So neurolinguistic programming is about trying to make sense of your world and the other person's world and trying to bridge a gap of understanding between those two people. Basically, a lot of it is about the language we use. It, it helps to untangle um, any misinformation. It helps you also step into their shoes and see their perspective. Because I, for example, grew up saying, right, put your head down, work hard, and you'll get a good job. Um, so I might, for example, have a really uh, good relationship with the word work hard. Someone else might have said, work hard, you'll work, you'll, you'll do well, but actually remembers working really hard for a test and coming last in the class. So whenever someone says work hard, they might say, well, what's the point? 
Yeah, okay. So when it comes to your role as a coach and using NLP, yeah. how how do you use the principles of that sort of psychological aspect to help people, you know, going through the changes that we all are at the moment with their businesses and moving forward over the next year or two as we sort of adapt to whatever the hell comes next? I think coaching is probably the the, the main one that I use, the, the tool that I depend on the most. And NLP, I will just bring it in as and when a client needs it. So um, NLP might be, for example, if a client says to me after session after session that they really want to get up and do a, a video uh, webinar for their business, but then time and time again, they're not doing it. What's stopping them? We've talked about right. it on a conscious level, but maybe on a subconscious level, there's something there that's stopping them. Maybe it's a belief that they're not good enough. Maybe they don't believe they've got the tools. Maybe they had an experience back in, in, in school, you know, so um, it will be going into more detail. But with the coaching side of things, I mean, there's masses and masses of, of tools and resources. But first and foremost, it's it's awareness. It's awareness of what we have now, what's missing and what we need to move us forward. Um, I talk quite a lot about growth mindset with my clients yep. and that essentially helps people be a lot more resilient um, and helps them adapt more. And I think that's really important, especially with, with moments like this where suddenly, um, you know, life seems to alter in a drastic way, either on a global scale, but certainly this will, these things will always happen on a personal scale as well and with each with different businesses. So I think it's very important for individuals as well as teams to have a growth mindset so that they are able to uh, face challenges in a really constructive, productive way. The term growth mindset may or may not mean something to you, depending on whether you have school-age children. I've only ever encountered it in relation to core school values, such as resilience and perseverance, which are set within a framework of developing a growth mindset as one of the keys to success. So what does it mean in a more adult and business-oriented context? Isabella says it's all about going from the comfort zone a business normally operates in to a stretch zone. That's in an area where they're more likely to try new things, to um, to challenge the status quo, uh, to learn from uh, past mistakes and um, work with people rather than competitors, see them as collaborators. Yep. So it's about it's about growing and learning, essentially. Does that make sense? It does, absolutely. And I mean, now is the perfect time which is which really why I wanted to talk to you is is because a lot of the people I've spoken to in the last couple of months are struggling is too strong but having to adapt and having to change the way they think they've yeah. got businesses which are having to change quite radically in some instances mm. and it strikes me I suppose that having that that sort of positive mindset that growth mindset is yeah. is kind of very critical to a lot of or is going to be very critical to a lot of people when we come out of the other side of yeah. the coronavirus yeah so focusing kind of on the long term and believing that whatever situation you are in now is temporary and it will pass Absolutely. and you can be successful seems to be something that is is really important but difficult to do and I'll give you a quick example I'm working with uh, an agency client at the moment and their business has been kind of decimated by coronavirus because of the sector they're in. But the boss of that agency, I admire her so much for the way she has just taken that on board. And rather than going, oh, God, I've got no business anymore, she's yeah. flexing and adapting and exploring new business models and new strategies for new types of clients. And I just sit back and look at her and think, that is a prime example of positivity and probably 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but that is growth mindset in action. Yes. Yes. I love that. Absolutely, Paul. And I think I was talking to a lady in one of my monthly masterminds on, on Facebook, and she was she came to me saying that she really wanted to write some blogs. She really felt it was the way to build her uh, business, um, create awareness. And, um, I, I, and I said, well, what's stopping you? She, she said she was really struggling. She felt really salesy. She didn't know what to write. And so she's a relationship coach, this lady. She's okay. a relationship and love coach. And I said, okay, well, there, there are many other marketing tactics. So, you know, what happens if you don't write this blog? And yep. my assumption, so again, this goes back to NLP and the importance of knowing your own assumptions, being aware of it. I thought she doesn't like, she doesn't want to write a blog. It's because she doesn't like writing. But her response was actually, no, I love writing. So what? Okay. How? Okay. Um, and she ended up saying how she absolutely loved writing fairy tales with fairies. That was the thing that she loved. So she loved writing, but she's struggling to apply it to her business. So then I wanted her to go back to her, her this superpower that she has, which I'll come on to what other businesses have as well in a moment. And I said, how can you apply that superpower, that thing that you do almost without thinking that you're, you know you're good at, how can you apply that to your business? And she had a little think, and she is now creating tailored fairy tale stories with fairies about um, <laughs> messages and lessons of love. And what okay. she's now created is something that's completely unique and tailored to her business and makes her stand apart from all other uh, relationship coaches. And I think it's a really nice reminder that when businesses need to change and adapt and pivot, whether it's completely or a little bit, it's quite nice to take a step back and remind remind yourself, what is the purpose of my business? What is the why? How am I trying to serve and help my customers? Go back to that core and say, what do we do with our eyes closed? What is our superpower? Is it the team that you work with? Is it the creativity? Are you the quickest at doing something? Uh-huh. Um, what, are you great writers, great speakers? What is your 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 brand DNA and what is your purpose? And how can you bring those two things and really make them make them shine, really work with those and then build something around that? I think that's quite a good place to start. You mentioned there about adaptability. The whole idea of being out of your comfort zone, as that example kind of illustrates, is it's right again. It strikes me that this is this is another critical thing that we've got to get used to, right? In the next yeah. year or so, in order to kind of harness what opportunities there are going to be and and learn and grow ourselves, we've got to follow examples like that, where someone has effectively just gone out and done it. Do, mm. Is your impression that adaptability is 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 one of the key things that we're going to have to learn? Definitely, I think adaptability. I think it's always been important. I think possibly it's it seems heightened now because there's so much or uh, so much transparency or expected transparency. We we you know from CEOs to executives to individuals, we've now seen everyone's cat go past the Zoom call, and um, yeah. we've seen everyone's front kitchens, the grandma in the background with the kettle, and um, so people companies are expected to be a lot more transparent. So I think that when they're expected to respond to something in the news, um, they're expected to do it quickly and to do it authentically and, and in, a, in, a, in a real way. So I think we're going to need to be quicker at adapting. I think we need to fall back on our brand values and purpose and, and put in place uh, strategies that actually stand the test of time. I think it's important to be really authentic in, in what we do. So rather than just responding and reacting to what's going on in the news and seeming really inauthentic, it's about um, going back to who we are, what we offer, what we do, do that really well. And then from that core, then adapt, 
so that people so that it's more believable so that it's more transparent thinking about transparency as well and adaptability i think a, a big part of, or a big thing that is important is uh, communication and listening to our audience so rather than brands uh, telling customers what they think how they behave and why they need something why don't they just talk to them just ask them get them uh-huh. involved Lego did that a few years ago when they were going downhill. They said, look, we're thinking about creating these products. What do you guys think? What do you expect? And I think that that's going to continue, going to be expected more and more. I read a really uh, nice article the other day about Target, which I think is an American supermarket or yeah, yeah, yeah. American chain. And one of the marketing guys there um, very honestly came forward and said, he originally wanted to, you know, with them, with uh, Black Lives Matter movement, they wanted to do something with a shop that had been looted and burnt out. And his first instinct was, let's go in, get an artist and make it look beautiful. Let's change it from an eyesore to something incredible. And he admitted that another marketing director came in and she challenged that. And she said, do you really think that's what people need? Really what uh-huh. they need is the essentials. They need food for their kids. Let's let's go back to what they actually need rather than doing something frivolous. And I love that he was so open and honest about, he said, I'm quick to, I'm quick to react, but we need to slow down and say what actually matters. We need to have a, have a conversation with the people we're trying to serve first and foremost before we're trying to sell to them and um, ask them what they need and then try and deliver that. So I think it's yeah, communication, transparency, being really authentic and going back to the core of what your business stands for. So in that example, then, with that particular person, when you are trying to get someone towards being open and authentic and having this positive growth mindset, yeah, how do people develop that? If if they're if there's someone listening to this who who this is resonating with and they're thinking, yeah. God, how do I do this? What are the top ways that you suggest that people go about developing this? Very good question, Paul. One that's helped me the most is to not to see failure as feedback. Okay. I think in society, in school, from our parents, you get things right, you get things wrong. And um, it definitely feeds into perfectionism. It feeds into trying to look after us so we don't look silly. We want to get things right. We don't want to be mocked or said we're not good enough. So we want to get things right. But I think part of having a growth mindset is um, allowing yourself to get things wrong or to try things and learn from it. Um, so the, I asked my, my Facebook group um, a few little terms and they came up with things like um, mantras, like nothing will ever be perfect. Uh, I will be the best I can be or no problems, only opportunities. Okay. And I think just ca- carry one of those around with you um, and make sure that you're always learning. I think especially for, for brands in the public eye, uh, when they when something doesn't quite resonate, get feedback, get involved and say, how can we learn? I think it takes a bit of humility um, and to admit that we are all human, but as long as you show willing. Uh-huh. Another one, I guess, would be about looking at your uh, the people around you, your, your potential competition, but rather than seeing them as competition, see them again as an opportunity to learn from or collaborate with. So um, who who is currently working with your with your ideal customers? How are they providing a service? And is there a way that you can work together, combine forces and, and improve and, and grow and challenge your own thinking and your own approaches? A lot is going on at the world at the moment. Not only are we in the middle of a pandemic and at the start of the resultant recession, but there are big racial tensions in the US and the UK. While Facebook is currently facing a huge advertising boycott because of Mark Zuckerberg's unwillingness to tackle hate speech on the network head on. So it's important to put this subject in context with that. 
But if we look ahead a year, when hopefully we'll be in a better place, as a coach, what does Isabella think marketing communications people are going to need help with at that point, as opposed to now? Two things have come to mind. One is that with the increased uh, transparency that ex- that's expected from businesses, they are going to have to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And that also means that the inside of their business um, needs to represent their brand values, their brand DNA. So that's from the people, their backgrounds, their skills, uh, but it's also how they're treated. So if a company is about empowering people or making them fit and healthy or giving them nutrition, are they giving that to their staff? Are they helping Uh them? So I think businesses are going to have to work with their individuals, celebrate them, make sure they're challenging one another, make sure that they're not just saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, three bags full to the to the CEO, but actually being brave enough to challenge it and the, the CEO in turn being aware of his own ego and prejudices and so on. Um, there's lots that you can do with individuals to help the company as a whole perform well, but also to be seen to be helping their staff. If, otherwise, it's just not going to be believable. Um, so I think that transparency and coaching will, will be quite important in future. Okay. Another thing might be about, I guess, thinking more of on a marketing point of view, is when you've you've got your your you're an individual, you're a person, the way a brand is, and you've got friends and families from all walks of life. You've got your friends who are great for a deep and meaningful. You've got your friends who are great for a big party. You've got your friends who you go out for a run for, and I think the same for brands is maybe spending a little bit more time talking to those friends or those individuals or those pockets of customers and really getting rather than telling them again what to buy and what to do and what to behave, inviting them in to have a bit more of, of a dialogue, in um, inviting more user-generated content and breaking down their big campaigns and, and their overarching purpose and brand values and brand DNA, breaking that down into um, more relevant, smaller pockets of conversations with different groups of people, if that makes sense. I, I, I have also been thinking about how brands have adapted and being a coach helping small businesses You want to say to them, follow this plan, this blueprint plan, and you'll make your millions. But I just, it just doesn't work like that. I think every brand, every business is completely different. In this time where a lot of uh, brands at the same time have had to pivot and change and alter their businesses, I feel like some people have had to completely halt. Others have been able to tweak and others have completely started something brand new. But within that, there's always been a choice and an opportunity. So the ones that have had to completely stop business I've heard of some business, some for example, a retailer who can't sell her clothes because she doesn't have a bricks and mortar store, but she's gone online to give styling advice. And it means that in four months' time, when people go back to back to shopping, they will remember her, not her neighbour, uh, who they haven't haven't heard from in the last three four months. So what she's done is she's finding a way to serve her customers and give them value. So yeah. I really love that example. And then there was also, for example, um, a dancer, performer that I, I was, is in one of my mastermind circles. And her whole, her job finished, but also her whole industry seemed to be paralyzed because of what's going on. Right. And so again, what she did was listened, listened to what was needed. And she asked the community, what, what are you struggling? What could we do now that would give us value and help us hit the ground running when we do go back to work? And what she's now done is set up a subscription service 25 quid or so uh, for weekly talks where people come together and talk about the industry and give one another advice. And I love that. That is something that she'd never done before. Skills, you know, she'd never, her business was wholly offline. Her industry, let alone her job, completely shut down. But Uh she found a way 
to give value and then as a result made money which she wasn't even necessarily intending to do so yeah i think and, and like the hotel chains have provided rooms for, for um key workers brilliant they could just very easily say well we've got no business we'll wipe our hands of it but they've not they found a way of communicating again what's important to them and, and showing their value in other ways yeah i guess i just wanted to celebrate some of those businesses because it's, it's not it's not been easy for a lot of people but there's a lot that can be done Many thanks to Isabella for her time. If you'd like to talk to her, look her up on LinkedIn. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.